Hey, what's up? This is Keith Mosley from the band The String Cheese Incident. And you are listening to Sound Session. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is your host, Mike Heidemann, here on Sound Sessions. Today is a great day. On the phone, we have the legendary bassist of the band, The String Cheese Incident, who for the past 25 years have written a story all their own. They're coming to Chicago in November 7th, 8th, and 9th, playing the Auditorium Theater here. And on the phone with us today, all the way from Boulder, Colorado, we have Keith Mosley. How's it going today, Keith? Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm just a little bit uh, thrown by that legendary tag. Makes me feel old, I gotta tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, legends, you know, they, they can be any age nowadays. So so you definitely wear it well. Um, You want to talk about legendary for one thing. We got to start off the interview talking about the Jubilee Jam, this epic jam session that you guys just did to your song Rosie from the Electric forest performance that you guys had lasting nearly 75 minutes that's that is a legendary uh time frame my friend yeah that was uh that was something different for us um we were uh we were looking to do something different at electric forest this year uh particularly for that set over at the jubilee stage and uh and so yeah we uh we kind of took it out and went through various different uh, kind of motifs in that jam and uh, and ran the length of the set with it. Yeah, 75-minute jam. I mean, come on. That is that is a crazy amount of time. I mean, that that alone makes me tired. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm sweating actually now thinking about that. <laughs> it made me tired, too. Uh, <laughs> no, it, it was really kind of an interesting exercise in, um, in group improv, you know, um, to have the six of us uh, committed to trying to do something like that. Um, you know, again, we the idea was to, to keep it interesting, so we definitely changed gears several times, um, worked our way through some different key signatures and through some different uh, time signatures, um, some different musical feels. It, w- it was really an, an interesting uh, exercise in exploring the, 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 the world of jam. Yeah, and and you guys do it better than anyone, might I add. I mean, for years, it's, I, I think I've had more mixtapes with the String Cheese incident on it than most bands, to be honest. Uh, but but right. during that 75 minutes, what kind of flows through your mind when you're putting on such a stage show of that length? Well, it's uh, it's all the success of a, of a long jam like that really hinges on on everybody intently listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, everybody in the band intently listening and trying to move and act as one. You know, it's kind of getting into the group mindset and uh, and 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 playing as one. And you know, that's uh, even though we've been together for twenty five years now, um, it's still not a super easy thing to do. You know, you really got to focus in and um, listen as best you can for any kind of cues from your fellow bandmates we did have a few we had a few um prearranged uh ideas about moving through the keys and some signals that we would use on stage but um but you know it was uh it was a really interesting uh exercise for us and and i think it came out great now myself, I play music here in Chicago, and I play in a, played in a couple bands. I mean, actually, one of my first bands was a Grateful Dead cover band. So I was practicing these jam sessions when I was 16, 17. But when we were playing, we would go often off of our drummer 
or bassist. Now, you as the orchestrator, as the bass line through the entire song, what kind of what are these cues that you're looking for when you're playing with these musicians? Well, um, you know, I have a long history. Uh, again, 25 years of playing with uh, with Travis on the drum kit, so um, it's it's become second nature to kind of read him in a lot of ways. I can I can tell. Um, in an instant, you know, he might play a fill and then I'll know, okay, he's going to go to halftime there, or he's, uh, setting up a, uh, a change to, um, to maybe a six, eight feel by the, by the, uh, a lick that he plays. So there's a lot of kind of, uh, just, just miniature cues that you develop over time of playing with somebody, um, that, uh, you know, that, that the average average listener may not notice at all. But to me, is like, oh, that means Travis is going here, you know. So <laughs> so there's a, there's, a, there's a good bit of that going on for sure. Yeah, I was I was laughing because I was thinking about when, when I was playing or when I see you guys on stage and you guys just give that eye of the tiger look to each other, you know, when, you, when you're <laughs> just staring at each other in each other's eyes and you're like, now is the time to do this. Right, there's... There's quite a bit of visual cues going on. It's, a, it's an interesting exercise in getting on the same page with everybody. Well, that can't be the longest jam you guys have ever done before. Is there a record for the band? I honestly don't know. Um, that may very well be it, uh, as far as I know, but um, we'd have to do some research to figure that out for sure. <laughs> well, we'll have to, I'm sure your fans will be listening to this, and they'll they'll tell me uh, through our email, uh, I guess. <laughs> yeah, somebody will know better than you or I. <laughs> um, well, let's talk a little bit about uh, your songwriting um, and and how you guys kind of structure your songs because a jam session is was one thing, and I'm sure you guys have a great time practicing. I mean, knowing each other for so long, these these songs are kind of just interlaced in your blood now, I, I suppose. But what turns a good jam session? into a structured song that you're like, we need to get this on tape, like your new song, All We Got. Right. Well, that is one that um, that did come out of a jam, like you say. Um, something that, uh, I, uh, I don't remember where the jam was, but it was something that was, uh, you know, spontaneous in the moment. The seeds of that song were, were uh, come from a spontaneous jam that uh, I think it was Kyle who, who listened back and brought the recording to our attention and said, hey, this this has got potential. This needs to turn into something. And um, then that song was further developed at a, at a songwriting retreat that we did. Um, we've done several of these retreats over the years where we schedule um, some of our off time to get together. Uh, and we've, uh, we've done a, a VRBO rental. We did one in um, uh, Sedona, Arizona, uh, one spring when it was still cool here we went down there we did one uh up in carbondale colorado um at our at our friend's place when they were gone um but the idea is the band just kind of moves into the house together Mm -hmm. and spends 24 7 um cooking meals going for a hike and then getting down to playing music you know 10 12 hours a day and we're just immersed in it um so anyway we, we brought uh this one jam idea in and said, okay, well, maybe this can be, maybe this is a good riff for the verse. Uh, where would the chorus go, you know, and then and what would be a, an alternate to that? And um, through the process, kind of worked through several different ideas, narrowed down t- to the ones that we really liked, and then uh, set about writing some lyrics for, for uh, 
for the chorus. Um, so that one was truly a, a, gl- a group process. And they're not all that way, but that song really was um, born from a jam and, and then uh, brought to fruition through the whole group contributing. I, lo- I love that. I love hearing the story and, st- and the structure behind what you guys have going on in your heads when you're creating this these great pieces of art. Um, you did mention the fact that you kind of need to put yourself in a space where you're away from everything. What's your favorite food or go-to drink to get you in that creative mind space? <laughs> well, probably a lot of coffee uh, for me. <laughs> uh, a couple of us are coffee drinkers, Travis as well. Um, now, are we, yeah, talking, are, we, are we talking dark roast or light roast? <laughs> probably a dark roast espresso you know that kind of thing yeah um there, there might be some other uh, elements involved in being creative too but that's certainly one of them <laughs> do you have a good snack that you go to do you eat a heavy meal or do you, do you keep it light like we're talking salads uh you know in general the band is pretty health conscious um all the way around so i, I we're all uh, trying to watch what we eat and uh you know stay uh stay fit and nimble um and so I think that helps. Well, you're all from Colorado. I mean, the band started over there, so you, and that's a very health-conscious, outdoorsy kind of lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, we started um, out as skiers and playing ski areas as our as our uh, original gigs. You know, we'd tour around and, and play a bunch of different ski areas in Colorado and then branched out to, to play in uh, ski towns in um in uh, the mountains of Utah and Colorado, or Utah and California as well, and uh, and uh, a lot of us still really enjoy that lifestyle—hiking, biking in the summer, skiing in the winter. Um, it's definitely been a, a focus and a, and a sense of inspiration for us as well. Mm-hmm. What an epic journey you guys have gone on to since you've been, you know, starting as this this local group playing in the mountains of Utah and Colorado. Do you remember those first few shows? Where did you, where did the string cheese incident get their start? Because I, I was telling you about how I was in a band. We played in a church basement, and then our second big show was at the VFW. And now, uh, you know, that band is defunct, sadly. But where did the string cheese incident get its start? Oh man, we played a lot of interesting venues. Uh, our very first show we played was um, a locals' night talent show. We had a 15-minute slot uh, at a locals' night talent show in, in Crested Butte, Colorado, when we were living there. Um, you know, we were one of whatever you know eight different acts or something uh, on the bill that just signed up to play. And then that went well, and, and, and we were, of course, practicing on our own and eventually landed some happy hour, uh, après ski kind of things, um, which was, you know, might have paid uh, 50 bucks a guy and, and dinner and a beer, you know, and which, mm-hmm. was, which was big pay back then. We were happy to have that. Um, and, and then that slowly grew into more kind of ski town gigs. We did a lot of weddings in the very early days. We played in Quonset huts and VFW halls and <laughs> uh, fraternity basements. Uh, I mean, we played a lot of different places uh, over the years and, um, you know, literally uh, thousands of gigs at this point. <laughs> For real, man. And it's cool to hear how you have that humble start and, and what you've gone through over the years. It's funny to think that wh- whoever was playing before or after you in that talent show was playing with the String Cheese Incident, who would be one of the biggest <laughs> bands of all time eventually. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, humble beginnings, but a lot of focus, a lot of dedication, 
a lot of hard work, some good management, um, some good luck shining on us. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's been a long road and, uh, we're certainly still in touch with, a with a lot of our original friends and fans and, um, and, and never forget our, uh, our humble beginnings. Yeah, you know, that's an interesting thing you bring up because there's a lot of musicians out there who are, who are really, really rough in it, especially, I'm sure, in Colorado, definitely here in Chicago with our, with our blues and rock scene and our hip-hop scene. And I'm just thinking about those days when you're getting started and you just have one or two people, it's mainly just one person, like a fan who's there at every single show who are just like, you know, you're going to make it. I'm going to pay that $10 cover no matter what because I want to see you guys succeed and be there from the beginning. Did you guys have somebody like that back in the day? Um, yeah. I mean, we had several people like that uh, from from uh, Ski Towns, uh, Crested Butte, Telluride, where we were started, people who were friends, um, uh, and acquaintances from the very beginning who who saw a lot of potential in the band and were were very enthusiastic and uh, you know those people are are still around and we we still see them and and when we come through town and and, and talk to them and you know it's been um, it's it's taken a lot of people uh, a lot of work and a lot of dedication uh, from from friends and family uh, early fans you know I, I'm thinking back about some of the early days and. We bought uh, Travis's family uh, van, you know, that they had taken on family vacation mm-hmm. when he was a kid. And we bought that from his family. For, uh, I don't know. It was probably, you know, three or five thousand bucks or something for the old beat up van and drove that thing forever uh, with the trailer <laughs> until it died. And then moved on and bought an old retired ski town bus from uh, the town of Crested Butte and tore the seats out, put bunks in it, drove that thing around the country um, for years and years as well. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, it's a slow, it was a slow growth process. It was organic and, um, it's made us who we are today. Yeah. I mean, you guys definitely paid your dues. It's cool to see that you had your town's support, uh, to help you out, like from the, the small things like getting a van, getting your first, uh, bus and everything. I mean, Crested Yeah. Beauty. What an awesome town, huh? For sure, it was uh, it was a nice place to to start out. Uh, you know, we we were uh, feeling young and full of uh, full of potential at that point, and and that that uh, we we were able to immediately kind of uh, to find some places to play, even if they weren't paying gigs, and find some support. And um, so it, it was great to have uh, to have some people believe in us from the beginning, for sure. Yeah. Is there a bar or some restaurant or a place that you can go back to uh, back in your hometown, and they're just like, oh, it's Keith, drinks on us kind of place, like where you're the go-to person? <laughs> uh, you know, we do get out some uh, locally. We've got uh, friends here. I mean, uh, the thing that comes to mind right off the, the, the bat is the Mountain Sun pubs here in town, owned mm-hmm. by our friend Kevin and... Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely get recognized there, and and don't end up paying for drinks very often when we go. <laughs> I love that. I love that because uh, that's it, being being somebody's norm is is like kind of my dream. So walking to a right. bar when everyone knows your name is kind of a great great feeling. I'm sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's been, it really is rewarding to have some support like that, and uh, and and longtime fans who have been with us and and continue to support the band. 
Yeah, well, I mean, you guys, uh, you have such a great foothold in, in a lot of different states, especially here in Chicago. I mean, playing three dates in a row. I mean, what's your connection to Chicago, and why do you think you guys fit in so well here? Um, gosh, Chicago has, uh, and the fan base there has, has been awesome for us for a really long time. Um, we, I think Chicago's a music town, as you know, mm-hmm. uh, people are tuned in to music and enjoy live music, um, more so than some other places. Um, and somehow what we do seems to resonate, um, with people there. And, uh, we've had a lot of plays in Chicago, um, you know, doing the, uh, doing the electric forest festival, um, not that far away up in Rossbury, Michigan, mm-hmm. I think has kind of helped solidify our Midwest fan base over the years. But, um, you know, we've certainly slugged it out in uh, in bars and club shows in, in Chicago for a long time, and um, and always had a good turnout, a good fan base. Um, addition, I want to give a shout out to uh, Lakeland bases uh, that are made there in Chicago. I've been playing a Lakeland base for uh, over twenty years now, and they've always been uh, really great supporting me and, and helping me out, making sure my instrument's good to go. Yeah, I love that Lakeland bases. Shout out to them, man. Yeah, we make we make some good stuff here. Like we have places like the Chicago Music Exchange that is really good to our musicians as well. So there's a lot of right. great, great, a lot of great hubs here. Yeah, we love coming to Chicago. It's always uh, always a good time for us. Yeah, I think that I have I have a, one or two friends who I think have seen you every single time you've been in Chicago. In fact, and I tell them it's a bit obsessive. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, it would be fun to to relive that. I'm I'm trying to think about the venues that we've played, but uh I'm not I'm not doing well this morning on getting all those uh recalled, you know, when you when you get to the mark of over a couple thousand shows, um mm-hmm. it's hard to remember all of them. Yeah, well, um there I did kind of want to talk about um the fact that you played so many shows now, but you've kind of made a home, I think, at one of the greatest venues of all time. And I think everyone would agree with me. Uh, and that's Red Rocks out in Colorado. Now, oh, yeah. what there must be some kind of thing in the in the air over there that just screams for you guys to, to come back because I, I most of your most of the videos you see online of your band, most of the uh, just the great experiences you, you guys were made to play there almost. You know, it's a it's a really iconic venue. It's um, it's it's like no other place. Uh, a, a really special place to play. And yeah, we've been doing multi multi night runs there for I don't know fifteen plus years. Um, we're somewhere in the in the uh, count of uh, around 50, 50 plays there overall. Wow. Um, but every time you walk on stage there, you know, definitely still get the butterflies and then just look up at the at the giant rocks and the crowd and and uh there's a power there it's uh i mean i remember when i was a kid seeing one of the very early mtv videos of uh u2 playing there you know and that was like oh where is that you know what venue is that (laughs) and uh many fast forward to many years later when we were touring uh in the van and still several years away from playing red rocks um we stopped by there once on our way through, on our way down from the mountains down to the front range, we stopped by and were able to uh, get into the park and into the venue and, uh, and, and kind of walk up to the stage. And, and we all kind of stood there and, and visualized, hey, someday 
you know, this is where we want to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, sure enough, a few years later, we were able to, to do it and um, have continued to go back every year. Now, what was that first experience like when you were on that stage? You finally got to that point. I mean, you've done so many shows. I'm sure you had a lot of landmark and, and highlights uh, on your way up to playing at the Red Rocks. But that first time getting on that stage, were you like, did it kind of come full circle? Oh, very much so. It's definitely a feeling of, um, you know, reaching one of your milestone goals and a, and a real accomplishment um, of, gosh, you know, we, we put in uh, the work and, and somehow connected with enough people that we get to be here now on this iconic stage and feel the power of the, of the rocks and the earth and the, the atmosphere of, of being here playing in the open air and on a beautiful Colorado night. And again, every time we, every time we walk on stage there, it's, it's a rush. It really is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys, it's, it's an incredible thing. It's, uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful stage. If anybody's listening who wants to go and check out that spot, that's as a music fan, that's one of the greatest places in the world. It really is, and it's right here in our backyard. We're we're lucky enough to stay there. <laughs> so you guys, you know, the, the other cool thing about your band is you have such a great connection with your fans. You might have single-handedly be responsible for the resurgence of the hula hoop <laughs> with your <laughs> your popular shows, Hulaween. And I wanted to know, is there any kind of one audience move or audience dance, whether it be hula hoops, glow sticks, hacky sacks, or just, you know, straight-up dancing that really catches your attention from the stage? Well, we, the, the crowds are, are energized, and that, that translates, you know, um, no, matter, no matter how you're out there doing it. If you're out there moving and, and enjoying yourself, uh, it's something that, that, that we can feel. And we've always had, a, like you say, a great relationship with the crowds. And, um, and, you know, part of our whole ideal has been just to foster a really festive kind of atmosphere at the shows, a place where, um, you know, everybody's welcome and uh the the idea is just to celebrate being together and uh feeling good and playing good tunes cutting loose having a nice uh friendly dancing atmosphere so um we do feed off the energy of the crowd and try to give them all we've got and uh, you know it becomes a real uh circular flow yeah, I, I love that, man. I love that. So, uh, again, we're talking to Keith Mosley from the great band, The String Cheese Incident. They're playing three nights here in Chicago, November 7th, 8th, and 9th at the Auditorium Theater. Keith, thanks so much for your time. Uh, one quick question before you go. Um, there are a lot of people who are sitting in their basements who are playing those church basements. They're playing the uh, the huts in, in Colorado, and, and they're thinking, how do I get myself to the level of, of Keith Mosley and, and String Cheese. What advice can you give those kids who are, who are playing music out there? I think a lot of it is just focus and intention. Um, you know, and, and if certainly you need to be dedicated to your craft, um, but I think you also have to be uh, of a positive mindset and, and you know, visualize where you want to be um, and then work hard and take those steps to, to try to get there. Um, it's about connecting with people via your music and because that's really what it is, the, the, is, is the ability to connect with people. If people feel what you're doing uh, lyrically or musically, then, then they're attracted to it. So, um, you know, it's, it's about making human connections. 
Yeah, yeah. I feel it is about making that human connection. Positivity is so important when it comes to music. You can't put other people down. You got to stay focused and just really just, if you want it, you can achieve it. Yeah, it's there. It's it's not an easy road, but, um, you know, it is attainable. And, uh, again, I think people are really looking... Fans or, or music fans are really uh, looking for something to latch on to, whether your lyrics resonate with them or the tunes make them want to get on their feet or, or uh, you know, just you're feeling, sharing a feeling of uh, sorrow or, or joy or whatever it is. Um, the ability to connect with fans emotionally is really what it's all about. Keith Mosley from the band The String Cheese Incident. Keith, I could probably talk to you for another 10 hours, but I know you, I know you got things to do. Well, thanks uh, for the conversation, Michael. Uh, We are super excited to come back to Chicago. Again, it's been one of our favorite markets for a long time. The fan base is awesome. And uh, we really, really look forward to these upcoming shows. We love it, man. Hey, thanks for joining us here on Sound Sessions. All right. Thank you again, Michael. Can't get enough of Sound Sessions? Like our Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter at SoundSeshPod and check us out on Instagram at SoundSessionsWGN.